1: On this episode of First Lady and Friends, I talked to Dr. Anthony Godfrey from Jordan School District. He's the superintendent there, and we had an amazing conversation about educators and the things they're going through and how our show up for teachers conference is going to help them, as well as the unified sports program that is now in Jordan School District and the amazing impact that it's making. Let's get proximate. Today on First Lady and Friends, we have an incredible guest, uh, Dr. Anthony Godfrey, who is the twelfth uh, superintendent of Jordan School District, and uh, he's worked for the school district for twenty-eight years. Um, but that's that's amazing. First of all, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> we're we're so excited today because we really want to talk about. What you're doing at Jordan, uh, the, the amazing things our educators are doing, and maybe just some of the conversations you and I have had around educa- educator wellness and some of the fun things we're doing in Unified Sports. So let's get into it, first of all, by talking about you. Let's talk about okay. where you grew up, where you came from, uh, your experiences as a, as a young child here in Utah.
2: Well, I moved to Utah in high school. I was a junior in high school when I moved here. I was born in Seattle, had lived in Missouri and in Indiana in the meantime, while my dad uh, got his PhD and went into teaching. So my mom and my dad were both teachers, and uh, I rebelled against their advice not to become a teacher and became one. <laughs> um, and I started in Jordan School District. I've taught, as you said, I was I've been in Jordan School District uh, since the 1900s and. Have really enjoyed my experience as an educator. I went to went to high school at Bonneville High, and we've had a number of superintendents from Bonneville High. We're very proud of that. And uh, I just have always loved education. It's always been what I wanted to do.
1: So did you know from a very young age that you that you wanted to? I mean, obviously you had parents who were in the field, but is that something you were drawn to right away or is that something that came a little bit later?
2: I've always been drawn to education. I liked the idea of being able to interact with kids, to make an impact, and to know that there's kind of a reset every year. There's There's a renewal to education that was very attractive to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Talk a little bit about your parents. Let's talk about their influence on you. What kind, what kind of teachers were they? Where were they? Um, and what were maybe some of your siblings, have they uh, gone into education as well?
2: Nobody else has gone into education, only me, which makes me the favorite child, I think.
0: Probably. Of course. <laughs> I'm just assuming.
2: Um, but my, my dad taught French uh, at Weber State. And before that, he taught it at St. Mary of the Woods in uh, Indiana which was an all-girl Catholic school. So he's had some varied experiences as a teacher. And uh, my mom taught in Davis District and then stopped for a couple of decades and then started up again. And they've both been retired for a while. Uh, but they were both great teachers and had their own different style. And uh, I learned a lot from each of them.
1: Was your mom uh, secondary ed as, as well? Or she was taught she...
2: English. She taught language okay. arts and social studies in middle school and high school. Okay. And um, my dad taught French exclusively. So, and I taught a little bit of both. I taught French and I taught language arts.
1: Did, did your dad learn, where did he learn French?
2: Uh, he served a mission in France. And at the time they sent you for three years or two and a half years. Oh,
1: he was in that so the group. MT,
2: the MTC was where you just got sent to uh, the foreign country to learn the language. So he learned to love the language there in addition to learning it. And uh, taught it after. After that, studied it and and made that his career.
1: And then, did you how, did you learn French from him, or did you also learn it elsewhere?
2: Well, I learned French initially from living in France for a year when I was twelve. Oh. My dad applied for and was granted a Fulbright exchange, so my family and a French family trade, traded homes, and my dad and the. A gentleman from France switched jobs. So my dad taught English in France, mm-hmm. and uh, the gentleman we switched places with taught French here in my dad's place. So I got to live in a French home for a year, attend school in France for a year. I was just dropped off and followed the right kids to the right classes and kind of absorbed French that way initially. So
1: Wow, That's quite an experience. So we're, I mean, that's got to be very intimidating.
2: It was, it was pretty intimidating. There was, uh, they they took a lot of interest. It was a small town. It was interesting that an American student was there for the year. They were very kind. And it was, uh, it, it was a little bit like students who come here and just have to learn English by absorbing it, just by being in class. I had my dad as a resource at home to help me understand things that were difficult for me during the day but I just did my best and made my way and kind of learned French in an immersive way that through that experience.
1: Wow. That's probably helped you to figure out some of this dual immersion stuff that, that I'm assuming you have in your district because most districts have.
2: We do, we do. And it does, it's really fun to visit the French dual immersion classes. Uh, I interviewed one of the French teachers for my podcast recently and even just talking with her, Some in French about uh, her experiences as a teacher reminded me of what it was like to be a student in France. It really um, – it was a great experience because you absorb the culture and the language and all of that all at the same time. So it does give me some perspective on the experience that students have in those classes and that students have coming here not speaking the language.
1: It's it's interesting too. I mean, we have all these different languages that, that were doing dual immersion. My daughter ha- was taking French not through dual immersion, just as, you know, a freshman in high school and um her teacher was actually from Africa. Mm. Um, the Ivory Coast and I I I always think and my son who was in Tahiti on an L D S mission learned that type of French, and and I imagine that
2: right.
1: <laughs> is a little tricky to learn different types of French as well.
2: There, it, it is, and but that's also one thing that's been really enjoyable for me. My son went on a mission to Ivory Coast, mm-hmm. so he learned a different sort of French, and I actually went to France and Switzerland on my LDS mission, and so I learned the Swiss French is slower and easier to understand than most French. <laughs> Uh, but we all have a little different version of French that we all learned. But yeah, that's, that's part of the experience too, is that as students go through that dual language immersion program, they learn from different teachers who may have learned their French either as a native or as a second language for them uh, in, in different countries. And so they get a, a, a rich experience in culture and language from those varied teachers through the years. That's part of the, the uh, benefit from that program.
1: Yeah, and I love that these these kids going into school are are getting that experience all through school. They're learning the subjects, you know, this du- dual immersion. It, they're learning subject in every, the language in all different subjects, and uh, it, it, it's I think is really exciting and and amazing because they're they're just going to have such a wealth of of knowledge and experience in that way. My husband is finding out. Um, he he served his LDS mission in Mexico, learned Spanish, and then in this job, he finds himself having to learn a completely different vocabulary when he speaks Spanish. Yes, <laughs> yes. As a missionary, you're it's a, it's very conversive. Right. It's a lot of a lot of conversation, a lot of um, religious vocabulary, but you're not learning a lot of Government <laughs> right, those kinds right. of vocabulary
2: <laughs> we under we yeah, you start to understand just how specialized vocabulary can be. and um, I, I love the dual language immersion program. I think Utah does it better than anyone else that I've ever been aware of because you get this daily experience, and academic scores are high for those students who are in the program. I think it gets the brain firing in different unique ways that uh, doesn't – that wouldn't necessarily happen under other circumstances. So I, it's yeah. been really a, a rich experience. My son is in it. My youngest has been in the, the, the French program. So okay. we're, all, we're all learning our own little version of French.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. At least you can all – you know, you can speak to each other. That's good.
2: We can. We can.
1: I've got one that – Knows French. One kid in my our house that knows French, and one and two Portuguese because we have one that went to Brazil and one that went to Mozambique. And a lot of people don't know that. Oh wow! Mozambique, um, the the language is uh, Portuguese as well as Angola. So the people don't really un- realize that in Africa.
2: Wow! That, wow! That there's yeah. those
1: languages as well. And again, the Brazilian Portuguese versus the African Portuguese very <laughs> different very, very different.
2: different no doubt
1: oh uh, well that's that's fantastic um let's talk a little bit more about what the what else you're doing what are the other exciting things that are happening in Jordan school district that that sort of get you energized and and um get you up in the morning and get you through the summer
2: well we there are great things happening all the time there are there are miracles happening in every classroom every day throughout the school year. It's really, really not an exaggeration to say that. And everyone's come together and worked really hard to push through the difficulties that we've experienced recently. So that is really invigorating. In fact, the last day of school, I visited five schools because I thought everyone's leaving. I got to get out there. I got to, <laughs> I got, I got to stop by and check in with a few more people before they go. So. The summer, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm also really enjoying reflecting on the year that has been. It is the most difficult year for almost everyone that I talk to. It's been the most difficult year. But there have been incredible connections between teachers and students. There's still been great progress. So I would just say, first of all, generally, I'm so impressed with how hard everyone has worked and the great results that have come from that saying at the same time that I acknowledge it's been as hard a year as any of us um, I think have experienced. Um, In terms of some of the specific things we've done, I was really excited about uh, our virtual Academy. We have an, a K 12 virtual option for every student who wants to be part of that. And our virtual learning has kind of gone through some phases. We've, we've offered virtual learning for many years. And I'd say we've probably offered it for 20 years by now in some form or another. But when the pandemic hit, everyone got an instant sample of what it's like to learn online. Now, despite everyone's best efforts, that was emergency learning. That was do the best you can with what you have and incredible things happened, but it wasn't necessarily the ideal virtual learning circumstance. Nevertheless, we had a number of teachers and students and families who either realized, wow, this really is not for me, or this is a great way for me to learn. I think this could really work for me. So we created this K-12 academy, which is something we'd talked about for a long time, but the idea was accelerated because everyone was kind of put into that situation. So we have a K-6 principle we have a 7-8 principal and a principal for our high school program, grades 9 through 12. And so Kings Peak High School uh, is our is the high school program that we have available. And then we have Kelsey Peak is our middle school and Rocky Peak is our elementary. And it's been incredible how popular that those schools have been, how high our attendance has been, and how great the results have been from yeah. – giving students and teachers the opportunity to teach and learn in that format. It's really opened up options for students because secondary students can take a partial or a full schedule. And elementary students are able to learn in a way that was never available before the pandemic for students of that age.
1: Yeah, that's that's really incredible. And I think, yeah, we were all sort of doing a little bit of this. I mean, even, even in the private sector with work. Um, and right. then we were sort of, Pushed into the deep end when when the pandemic happened. Um, I I want to talk to you about you. You mentioned the pandemic. You mentioned that this has been the hardest year, and I want to get into that a little bit more um, when we come right back.
0: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985.
1: We are back here with Dr. Anthony Godfrey from Jordan School District, the superintendent. Um, we're having a great conversation about um, uh, uh, what's going on in, in Jordan. But I want to you, you mentioned the pandemic. You mentioned how difficult this first year or this last year has been. What I've been hearing from educators, from teachers all over the state is that we thought 20 you know the school year 2021 was horrible and awful and the hardest thing they'd ever done and then twenty one twenty two came along right and they right. didn't know it could get that much worse
2: Th- that's exactly right we <laughs> didn't know it, that it could even get worse than it, than it was
1: and and not even by a little bit from what i understand like no. by a lot
2: And it's intangible a little bit. Some people I've talked to can't necessarily put their finger on why. My theory is that it's kind of a are we there yet sort of feel where the 2020, 2021 school year started. Everyone's in a mask. There are these procedures. uh, There's a lot of worry, but we're kind of all doing the same thing going forward. And then the next year comes and it's vaccines and when do they come and do we get vaccinated and do we wear masks now and what do things look like and there's a variant and uh, it's kind of like you're in the car you think you're driving to St. George and you're in Nevada and you say wait a second uh (laughs) I thought we were going to stop I thought that was our destination and you're just we're still in the car right now we're just still going
1: yeah the Um, analogy I've used is um we've we've asked educators to run a marathon that first year it was like this is a tough marathon and it's right when you get to the finish line, we're like, just kidding. This is an Ironman. Right. So keep on yeah. going. And now you're going to have to do all this other stuff.
2: Yeah. And there's swimming coming up, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's I, I read uh, in the last year, there's a bird called the American Swift, I believe. And it can fly 10 months straight without mm-hmm. landing. It drinks rainwater. You, it, it can. They, they use an altimeter out of an iPhone. It's small enough that they can finally measure that. They always suspected that the bird could fly that long without landing. So now they know the bird flies 10 months without landing. Yeah. And when I speak to educators and ask them, how many people feel like an American Swift? Everybody does. Everybody yeah. does. It's like there hasn't been a landing spot for a long time.
1: Yeah. And, and. I've been feeling that with educators. I've been hearing that from educators, and um, that's kind of what precipitated the idea of our Show Up for for Teachers conference. And you and I have had this conversation, so let's talk a little bit about what it is our educators need right
2: now. Well, I think the Show Up for Teachers is going to be a fantastic event to give teachers that landing spot that they haven't had and 10 months doesn't cover it it's 3 years but I think that the show up for teachers is going to be the type of event first of all that demonstrates to teachers that there are people outside of education who have noticed and for you to use your platform to focus on teacher wellness is really invigorating for teachers it means a lot to them and when our foundation, which is made up of business owners and business leaders, those who are able to donate their time and resources to provide grants for classrooms for teachers, when they, when they get involved, I always tell them it means so much more when it's someone from outside of the immediate education community. I know you have an education background, but in your role as first lady and the businesses that are coming together, the speakers that are coming together. And that they, as teachers, get to come together with each other. That's really meaningful, I think, that teachers are noticed and that their efforts are noticed and the difficult situation they're in is noticed. And so I'm really looking forward to the event. We have a lot of participation from Jordan, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the opportunity. All they have to do is show up. show up. And and, (laughs) and I I think so part of it is just acknowledgement. Uh, The main thing that teachers need that I keep hearing is time. Mm -hmm. It just takes a lot of time to be a great teacher. And as you know, it takes a lot of preparation. And sometimes we take, I think an industrial view of teaching. If they're standing in front of a class with students, then that's the valuable time. If they're in front of the conveyor belt, essentially, then that's the valuable time. But there is a lot of valuable time in, in renewal in re-energizing yourself, which is what this Show Up for Teachers event will do, and in having the time to work with colleagues and connect with colleagues about what's working and what can be done next, and just time to spend on yourself, time to spend on your preparation that you need to do as a teacher. So time, connection with others, and feeling that appreciation from within education and from outside of education, and Show Up for Teachers provides all of that.
1: Yeah, and and we also want to, what we've been doing too, and I think it's been effective so far, and we're going to keep going because I think we need much more of it. Is really involving the business community, like you talked about, involving legislators and people to you know. I know about education because I have a grandmother that was an educator. My mom was an educator. I've been in the education field. Um, you know lots of family members that are educators right. but if 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 i could do one thing it would be to just be a, a megaphone for for teachers for what they what they need um and and it's so much more than they than they used to need i think right. just with the the trauma that's coming through their doors um for their students that are dealing with this. everybody is feeling very unmoored right now
0: it's, Absolutely.
1: It's going things are moving too fast. There's too much chaos in the world. And it's and it falls on teachers to be that frontline worker, to be that uh right. that landing spot for students and then and then it's just been really difficult for them. Um
2: I read a, I read a news article in uh the Harvard Business Review that talked about secondhand stress. Yeah. So when you talk about teachers absorbing that that anxiety and the difficulties that families are experiencing, great things happen in the classroom. They happen despite the stress that's brought into that classroom. So when you think about the concentration of secondhand stress that is felt by a teacher when you get students coming from 25 to 35 to even 40 families coming in, uh, that's a lot for teachers to absorb and to manage. And we don't want to have a deficit mentality about the impacts of the pandemic, but the difficulties are real and the behaviors in classroom and in classrooms and the difficulty of catching kids up academically can't be overstated. And so having an event that allows teachers to take a pause, I think July is great timing for that. And just, a chance to regroup is really going to be important.
1: So talk a little bit about your, what you're seeing with teachers in that, um, what kinds of, what kinds of things are coming through their door? We've talked about this a little bit, but there, there is some trauma from the pandemic, but there's also what we've been hearing is because of just the, the pandemic, um, then being online, and, and we know online can be really great for some kids, but in, in my view, we can't replace a teacher like nothing can replace a good teacher. How What are we seeing with kids um, in, in those social interactions and the behaviors and the things that are coming through the door that teachers are getting hit with now that may look different than even four or five years ago?
2: I think there are a couple of ways to look at that if you think about how much you change from fifth grade to seventh grade, how much you change from being an eighth grader to being a sophomore in high school, how much you change from kindergarten to second grade, that's the t- period of time during which kids have experienced the pandemic. And so their development has been disrupted. And it's not just academic learning, it's socially. You don't have the activities or just the human interaction that you used to have. And although that isolation has diminished somewhat, the impact of isolation remains. Mm -hmm. And so students don't know how to interact with each other as effectively as they used to. And so as a result, I think behaviors are more difficult than they were previously because we haven't had those experiences that we normally have uh, provided for students to develop over time. Mm. And so I think we've seen the importance of exactly what you described, that connection between teacher and student. And if you talk to parents who had to be teacher during the pandemic, especially during the spring of 2020, the appreciation for for teachers went through the roof because they realized, uh, I think we all realized just how impactful that relationship between teacher and student is and how important it is to have, to have that uh, connection. Another thing though, that I, I think that has been lost is parents are the primary educator in the child of a, in, in the life of a child. And we recognize that as a district and we honor that. And we really strive to be focused on that, that primary relationship between the parent and child. That's where, the most important education comes. We are a secondary component to that education. We're an important component, but we're secondary to the parent. And during the pandemic, parents weren't able to be involved at school like they normally are. So that partnership was strained or didn't exist because we weren't able to have people in the building. Yeah. So I'm trying to be very intentional and, uh, personally, and we as a district and I know as schools, we're trying to be very intentional about reconnecting with parents because they're such an important part of an effective education for for our students. So that's another aspect of things that we're, we're finding is that we need to reconnect with families because without their support, we can't be as effective as we normally would be. Those student behaviors are difficult, understandably, in ways that they weren't previously and there's an anxiety for students that they're experiencing that I'm that I'm worried about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I am too and um, I'm also I think students are getting this secondary stress from their parents. <laughs> right. I think parents are feeling unmoored. Parents are feeling the stress and there's a there's sort of a national climate right now of of outrage and chaos and i think we go through this world thinking we're as parents we're we're shielding our kids from that because we're we're trying to keep it in and uh, and we're not doing a good job of that we we know that kids are not shielded from that and they're feeling that and coming to school right uh, with those emotions
2: i came i came into a meeting uh with people who know me well today and I came off of a phone call and I always want to come in the meeting, you know, well composed and they're like, you look stressed. Oh. Oh, well yeah, I had this phone call and this was happening and whatever. So I think we overestimate sometimes how much, especially with our kids, we're able to mask that. I don't think we ta we, we can tamp that down as well as we think we can. And uh you know we as a result of all of this happening, we actually had a health and wellness day this, mm-hmm. this February, this last February, and we have one scheduled for next year. And we announced it in January. We thought about it over winter break and we provided a lesson for every grade level that parents could use with students at home to talk about how they're doing and, and kind of process things with, with their students. So there was, a lesson that parents could do with their family, reemphasizing that important primary role. And then that gave teachers and other staff a chance to step back. And you talked earlier about business support. So they got to use that day the way they needed to. Mm -hmm. We had lots of events that were sponsored by local gyms, um, local businesses that allowed teachers to come and participate in events. And it was available to all employees. They also had the opportunity to, connect with each other. Art teachers would put on like an art night, you know, a painting night for everyone in their building. So it was, it was just needed by everyone. Like you say, parents are feeling the stress. Students, children are feeling the stress and every employee is feeling the stress.
1: Yeah. I had a teacher say to me, ask me the question. because we were talking about this idea of, you know, really getting them what they need to, to be effective when it comes to, the emotional uh, chaos that are that's going on with their students, and how do we how do we teach these kids the skills to really um, evaluate their own emotions, be able to control that, in order to be successful academically? We know that the tie between our emotional health and our academic performance is is really really uh, important, right. and 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 you can't separate it, right? Uh, but I had a, a teacher say, well, are we therapists or are we teachers? And I've thought about that for a really long time. And I don't know the answer other than probably both right now. And they're not equipped to be therapists. They didn't go to school to to learn the skills of you know therapy.
2: Right. Right. And that's why we've changed the staffing in jordan district even in the last few weeks going into the next year we will have elementary counselors Mm -hmm. a counselor in every elementary school something we have only dabbled in we've only had a handful uh, but we are now allocating one counselor to every elementary school we've increased pay for our school psychologists Mm -hmm. we've also moved from half assistant principal in our elementaries to a full-time assistant principal in our elementary schools. And we've added social workers, which we didn't have in our schools a few years ago. And we've, in fact, looked at doubling the social workers that we have at the middle level. And it doesn't mean when we are trying to take better care of a student that we lower the standards of expectation for behavior. We still have high expectations, but we try to be understanding about what? Why that behavior might be more difficult than it was in the past
1: yeah I I just think um, again my my whole mantra is giving each other some grace and and I love that you're yeah. not only giving those teachers some grace, you're giving them tools um, and and people that have the expertise to, to help them out. I know that what we've seen and I'm sure you've seen this too, and the data bears this out is that when, we have more counselors when we have sort of these wellness practices. the the behavior the the disruptive behaviors go down, and the academic performance goes up, and that's what we want for each of our kids. When we come back, I want to talk about um, some other stuff we're doing together in Jordan School District that I'm really excited about. Um, our unified sports, and I want to get your take on how that's going. We'll be right back. We're back here with Dr. Godfrey from Jordan School District, the superintendent. We are um, thrilled to be also partnering with you on some other really important stuff, um, our unified sports. Let's let's talk. I just I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast yet, but we just got back from the Special Olympics USA Games. It was the most joyful thing I, I think I've ever done. It was so much fun. And I thought, you know, that that I knew what joy was with our unified sports. But that was just on a whole nother level. And what we're what we're doing is we came to you. We said we want Jordan School District and and Jordan Education Foundation to get involved in unified sports. And let's just talk a little bit about what that process has been like and what you're seeing now from um, from this program.
2: Well, the joy spread very quickly. Uh, Once we heard about this and realized just how impactful it was going to be, it really just took off immediately. The Jordan Education Foundation, which I mentioned earlier, is a part of uh, – it's really our charitable arm where we accept donations and and solicit donations. And our director said, I can pull this together immediately, and we – Talked to a few business owners and it just happened. Our board, the executive board really put it together immediately to fund uh, unified sports at all of our high schools. And we're now offering that program in our middle schools as well. And we're going to be – we're working on that at the elementary level. But the the way it came about is that it's a program that unites people. I I like to call it unifying sports because – it really pulls people together. And you feel a part of something if you're just in the stadium. If you're if you're anywhere in the stadium, you're part of it. And you're lifted as a result of being around that. And uh, I, I did a, an interview with a teacher who has been doing that for a little while at Riverton High School. And the benefits she's seen for herself and for her students are going to last for a very, very long time. The friendships last. It's just I, I really... I can't say enough good about that.
1: How has it been received by your, by your principals and, and your educators and people that are, that are really in charge of implementing it? Um, how, yeah. how has that been? I know we always talk about teachers and one more thing, and right. I I always get really nervous to put one more thing on it, on an educator. And of course this program really does try to draw in the community Um, for coaching and and these kinds of things. But talk a little bit about maybe the response from from our educators.
2: We try to be very intentional about the load that we place on our administrators, on our uh, ESPs, and on our teachers. And so we called each school before we jumped on board and talked with principals and said, is this something that we can do? And they were very enthusiastic to their great credit. There was no no resistance to the idea that, oh, this is going to be more work. What they knew is that this is great for kids. And it's great for every kid that has anything to do with it. And so based on that, there was a lot of support right out of the chute. And so it, it's been an enthusiastic reaction at every level. And it's one more thing. But it's something that gives so much energy and so much purpose to what we do as educators that I I think there's no question we would, we would wonder now how we ever did without it.
1: (laughs) I, I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked about educators that have come to me and said, this is changing the whole feel of our school. Yeah. Um, have you seen that yet? And and what are some of the experiences that, that have been happening?
2: Our elementary event, and I know that elementary unified sports is just getting off the ground. But when I came to that event and I saw that we had over 200 kids participating in a new program, yeah. 13 schools, I saw how much pent-up need there is for this. And we talk about connection and how important that is, and how we've been missing that, this provides that,
0: yeah
2: this provides that in a way that I think deeper connections are created through this program than anything else I've seen, and I've seen that because I've talked with some of the athletes and I've talked with the unified partners, and there's a bond they're 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 genuine deep friends because they've done something together that where they're equal partners. In, 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 in the endeavor. And when you see that as a, as a participant, when you talk about it in meetings, even as, as I've been able to, at every turn, it's, it's, it's something that's, that's positive for people who are involved because they connect with someone that maybe they weren't sure they would be able to connect with or that they hadn't thought of connecting with before. And that's in both directions. Yeah. Um, the golf event. That that happened recently so was fun. a huge success. The smiles on everyone's face as you walk around. It may sound cliche, but everyone's smiling at those events. You can't I, I, help it.
1: You you right. just
2: can't help it. <laughs> so so when you say what impacts have you seen, all you have to do is walk up, and you're going to say what event is this? What's going on? Uh, and this was just the launch event. I know that will will begin in earnest toward the end of the summer. The launch event. I've heard from multiple people uh, just how much that impacted them. Um, you, you, what, what you really, when you when you participate in unified sports in whatever way, whether you're an athlete, unified partner, a business sponsoring it, uh, or on the organizational end of things, I think you find a little corner of yourself that maybe you didn't realize was there. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. I I'm telling you I um some of our partners that went with us and and some of our people that went with us to Unified or to the USA Games and watched our unified teams play. Um I had uh somebody tell me you know who's gone on lots of trips with with governors and yeah. and you know participated in a few of these amazing you know Israel and and Europe and all these places that they've gone and and they said to me this was by far the favorite trip I've ever been on yeah because yeah. there is just I, I kept telling people this is it's so joyful it, it just fills you up and when you see students um, get to know each other on a really deep level yes um there's just there's nothing like it and it and it really does permeate the entire school culture it does from what we're seeing is that what you're
2: seeing as well absolutely it's changed our schools it's changed our culture as a district and it's changed the way that not just students and children but parents feel like they belong yeah it's belonging
1: It's belonging. There was, I was speaking to a mom the other day that has a child with down syndrome and, um, and I, this is not an uncommon theme for parents that have kids that have had really unique abilities and they got that diagnosis, you know, usually really early on. Right. And as a parent, you're a parent, I'm a parent. When you get that diagnosis, all of a sudden and this is one i didn't i this is one effect that i didn't expect but when when a parent gets that diagnosis their whole expectation changes for what that child's life is going to look like and a lot of us you know i i had kids and i thought okay the, you know i have boys this is what i'm going to be doing i'm going to be doing sports i'm going to be doing these things and can you imagine when you get that diagnosis and you think I will never be that parent sitting in the stands at a major athletic event and my child is the star. Yeah. You never thought that was going to happen after you got that di- diagnosis. Right. And when you sit in the stands with a parent who has thought that they their this child's whole life and all of a sudden – The fans in that stadium, in that gym, in that, you know, soccer pitch, like everybody is cheering for your child. Right. You never thought that was going to ever happen. And it's that's almost as beautiful as any other piece of it for me is watching the parents reaction.
2: It is. I've experienced that personally. And I've gotten to know students and families through this program. And the kids light up when I see them. And the parents light up because they belong,
1: yeah, yeah, they and, belong. The, yeah. and it's
2: and belonging is different from fitting in. There's a quote that distinguishes between the two, yes. and fitting in means that you change to 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 be a part of of what's established yeah. and and that's what you're talking about, where a parent wonders how are they ever going to fit in because they're different,, yeah. but belonging you don't have to change,
1: yeah. You're you're taken as you are, and you're celebrated for
2: who you are. You're important because of who you are.
1: Exactly. I did. Yeah, I've had uh, partners say to me that they can't walk down the hall with their unified partner because it's they're mobbed because right. they're so popular.
2: Yeah. No, I've, I've I've talked with students who've told me the same thing. They're. They're uh, they're walking with a celebrity and they can't get to class on time because they're going to be they're going to be stopped so many times.
1: Let me ask you this, and this might be a little tougher, tougher question, but um, I've also wondered if this doesn't lead to a little bit more of a mind shift about the way we think about inclusion when it comes to academics. Are we is could this be a mind shift And some districts do better than others? And I don't you know, I, ha- I haven't really talked in depth with you about the about the special education sure. programs in each of each of our schools. But is is there a shift maybe in thinking about how we look at full inclusion for our students academically?
2: Yes, there absolutely is, and inclusion is the key word. We, we want the best environment for students to learn in, and sometimes that means that the resources aren't available in every school. And even over the last year, as I've met with parents and received feedback about what their experience has been for their child, we have tried to move programs closer to home so that we have more programs in more schools. And that's different for every district. Depending on the size of your district and location, that's more or less feasible. But we're really trying to bring those programs to the neighborhood whenever we can because we know that having that added neighborhood connection is really important for students. They want to feel like they belong, and it sure helps when you've got siblings and students from the neighborhood to do that. But at the same time, we have to balance being able to provide the specialized services that are needed for students. And, and so there, it, that's why there's an individualized education plan for every student because we want to meet those very specific needs. So there's no one-size-fits-all answer for that, but the overarching idea is exactly what you described, more inclusion, more connection with the school – while meeting the unique needs of the student in a way that the family feels is the best support for their child, yeah,
1: yeah, and, the, and it's a tough balance. It really is. Yeah. Um, um, I understand that, you know, coming from from the special education area, and and it it really is tough. And you have parents that want, you know, aren't worried about, you know, academic. Uh, achievements per se, other than maybe they're looking more towards transitioning, um, skills or, or right. occupational skills. And then you have parents that say, no, I mean, I want my child to, to learn geometry. And, and so you're, you're having to kind of figure that out. And, and then you have the physical needs, the occupational therapy and, and these kinds of things that are, that are really important that you're talking about. So,
2: we have several specialized schools that can meet very specific needs of students. We have programs throughout the district, and we try to bring those resources. Also, we have we have resources in every school mm-hmm. for uh, students on IEPs, and really, it's about meeting the needs of the individual student and having as wide a range of possible mm-hmm. as as possible of of educators and resources and. Programs and opportunities for students, and unified sports has been a key element to mm-hmm. enhancing uh, student experiences and really making it clear that they do belong.
1: I love that so much. Well, I really uh, appreciated you being here and appreciated um, the the conversations that we've had here. Um, I am so excited about our show up for teachers event coming up in a few weeks and. I couldn't be more grateful for your support and, and Jordan School District in all these areas. Unified Sports um, are, you know, getting behind our educators, really seeing the vision um, as you have around supporting educators, figuring out how to make this a, a just a more inclusive place for all. And we so appreciate your hard work in that.
2: Well, you've really let out with your show up initiatives It's changing the culture of the whole state. It honestly is. And we felt it and our teachers are feeling it. And I can't wait to be there on the 12th. It's it's really exciting.
1: Thank you so much. To donate to the Jordan Education Foundation, go to jordaneducationfoundation.org. And to find out more about Unified Sports, go to our website, showuputah.org. Thanks for being a friend.